I am always grateful when we gather together, but I am particularly grateful when the world seems a little heavy, when there are difficulties that seem closer than we ever could want them to be. And so I'm grateful for all of you this morning and for your presence here and for our God who draws us together. We're going to pray before we start this morning. Gracious God, you who are our holy mystery, we rejoice in your light. We submit to your will. We ask that you would make us those who trust, better believers, and those who offer hope when it seems absent. We thank you for this community, and we ask that you would grow us in the work uh, to improve this world in your name for our neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That which was from the beginning, this we proclaim, we witness, we testify to this light. For darkness was over the surface of all things. We sat in darkness and in death's dark shadow. We sat in utter darkness. We ourselves were prisoners in iron chains. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. When we cried out to the Lord in our trouble, God saved us. We who lived in a land of deep darkness. On us, light has shined. There is now no gloom for we who were in anguish. God brought us out of darkness, this utter darkness, and broke away our chains. Let us give thanks to the Lord, for we ourselves have seen a great light, the light for all people, the life for all people. The true light shines in the darkness. The darkness will not overtake it. That which brings light to everyone has come into the world. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high has broken upon us. Giving light to all, guiding our feet in the path of peace, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. People have been worshiping light since before we had languages to speak to one another. The worship of the sun has been found in almost every cultural group from the very earliest times. We set our clocks to sunrise and sunset, and even in the U.S., change the hours of the day in order to get better time in daylight. And light is important. Exposure to light, sunshine especially, is for metabolizing your vitamin D and encouraging other vitamins and generally happy chemicals in your brain. Humanity orients ourselves to light because light gives life and light sustains life. In Christian faith, we often associate light with things that are positive. The image of light is in the scriptures connected to God, to justice, to good and righteous things. And there is this contrast in which sin or injustice or evil is associated with darkness, and that which is good is associated with the light. 
when we talk about any spiritual thing, any spiritual thing, we are always using images and metaphors and similes to try to understand something that is complicated and complex. And so while it is important to know that darkness is not always evil, like the darkness of a mother's womb growing a child, the darkness of a fertile soil where a seed is buried, the darkness of a quiet place of rest, oftentimes we associate that which is dark with that which is evil because darkness is oppressive. It weighs heavy on us. It feels smothering. And so it is understandable that we associate that which is light with that which is good. This underlying sentiment that that which is evil will not overtake that which is good, that which is dark will not overcome that which is light. So today we're going to reflect a bit on the lightness of God and the light that we share as humanity. Uh, We're going to read actually from two texts and we're going to consider what God's light tells us and how we can be people who walk in light. So we're going to start today with John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to that which was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. This poetic start to the fourth gospel is, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful portions of scripture. It begins with the story that John tells of Jesus, right? His birth and his life and his death and resurrection. And it starts out with this reminder of Jesus's eternality, these truths about who God is and when God began. We hear that Jesus is the word, the eternal word from the beginning, who was with God, who was God, and through whom all things were created. This Jesus also came into the world but was not received, was instead rejected by those who were his own people, somehow unknown to them. Though he came in flesh, in a body, in a breathing human form, and lived among the people, they could not see his glory. Early in this passage, the author refers to Jesus as a creator, a giver of life. And not only that, but the life that 
Jesus gives is light, a light for all people. This light created and embodied by Jesus shone out and was not extinguished by any great evil overtaking it. Jesus's life light is undefeatable. Then we hear that John, who for us is John the Baptist, told others about Jesus, testified about that light, spreading it around so that others might believe. His message was simple. True light has come into the world and would enlighten everyone. So God, at the very beginning of the scriptures, creates light and then separates light from darkness. And now Jesus has come into the world, God in the flesh, and by coming brings God's light within himself. Let's be very clear here, though. God had not left humanity in total darkness before Jesus' coming. It wasn't like if you were born in 200 BCE, you just, you just missed it, right? But Jesus' presence brings the light distinctly and directly to the people. The light comes through Jesus to a world filled with grief, with hatred, with pain, with jealousy, with unchecked anger, sadness, apathy, and loss. And for us, that matters, that light matters, because we live in that same world. And God's presence and righteousness shines a light to us that we can see and offers us a chance to share that light with others. So now that we know the light, God, in every person of the Trinity, and that the light has come and is coming into the world, we should begin to ask what it means for us. What is our responsibility as those who know the true light? I'm going to read from 1 John 1-7. through That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. This text has a lot to teach us about why understanding the light is important for believers. And it begins with talking about this eternal and beginning life, about the word, all of this referencing God. Uh, The text says that we who have heard about it, tell about it. That those who have seen it, those who have touched it, those who have had contact with this light, testify about this light. Verse 3 tells us that by sharing the knowledge of this light, we create a wider fellowship, not just with one another, but also with God. And after reading through the fourth portion, we get to verse 5, which is where the text really tries to stick its own landing. What is this conversation really about? 
God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Remember, we're not talking here about literal light and literal darkness, which are uh, realities of our physical world and scientifically measurable, right? The ideas of light and darkness here are the question of morality, of ethics, of belief, and of action. To be light here is to be holy, to be good, to be righteous. Darkness is that which is evil, oppressive, immoral, unjust. The author offers this image to help us understand the distinct contrast between that which is good and that which is evil. And the final point from this portion of the chapter is an if-then statement. You may have forgotten these from math class, but we'll work it out. If we say we have fellowship with God while we are walking in sinfulness, then we lie and do not do what is true. And it might be easy for you to get stuck on the language here, so let's clarify what the statement is not saying. The author doesn't think that when those who are believers sin, they should be immediately cast out into the streets as liars and deceivers of every kind. (laughs) We would have no church building if that were the case. All people, including all believers, sin. And some of those sins are things that challenge us our entire spiritual lives. But this text is discussing the problem of double-mindedness, those who proclaim their holiness, who say that they are walking rightly, who proudly brag about obeying the laws of God, but who live a life that does not reflect it. By regularly choosing a path of sinfulness, they make themselves liars. This text is just telling us you cannot serve two masters. Pretending that we live rightly while choosing a pattern of sin is not the way to holiness. It is obvious to non-believers outside of our community, and it is very obvious to God. To walk in darkness but claim the light might look like saying that we love God, but being judgmental, discriminatory, and closed off. Rather than loving everyone as God does, we may only love those who look and act and live like us, those that we are comfortable with. This double-mindedness is revealed when we claim to be honest, but participate with dishonest timesheets, fake that we're okay when we're not, regularly tell half-truths or lies of omission in order to make ourselves look better. Walking in the dark while claiming the light might be seen in a lack of generosity and charity. We proclaim that God is enough, but we're always focused on whether we have enough having our bank account run our life. If we are unwilling to give generously and faithfully of our money, time, and energy, then we are living a double-minded life. Walking in the dark can be an ego problem. We sing and talk about submission and humility, but deep down we believe that we're really the only ones who have enough knowledge and are paying enough attention to be in control. We claim that the light of God illuminates our lives, but our fears and our insecurities and our shames run the show. At the end of the passage, we are finally offered a remedy. If we walk in the light, if we do what is right, we have fellowship with one another, 
and we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. God calls those who wish to share in the light of God to live a life that is consistent, to walk in the light and to choose the way of right living. This is an invitation for us to join God in illumination, both personal and communal. For each of us to choose to step into the light and to allow God's dawning warmth to rid us of our dishonesty, our stinginess, our discrimination, and our shame. To step into the light as a community means to share the light with others and with one another when we need it. Walking in the light offers us the gift of true fellowship. Fellowship is a call to embody the truth of what we believe and to draw closer to one another in community, relying on other people to help share the light when we cannot. Fellowship is the gift of community with all of its challenges and its blessings. And by being people in the light who carry and reflect God's light, we chase away the work of sin and evil and death. We are invited to step out from the shadows and live instead under the brilliant, shining, noonday sun to be fully who God has invited us to be, known and loved and holy. You've been listening to me, Pastor Kana Moore, at Hayes Christian Church. Hayes Christian Church is a non-denominational fellowship in Hayes, Kansas. We are supported by the generosity of our members, attenders, and friends. The financial support we raise goes to projects which further spread the gospel to those who do not yet know Jesus, to those local, national, and international missions, and they help keep these podcasts free. If you would like to share a monetary gift with us, please visit our website at hayeschristianchurch.org and click on the donate button, or you may mail your gift to P.O. Box 1111, Hayes, Kansas, 67601. If you have any questions, comments, or would like more information, we would love to hear from you. Simply go to our website and click on the Contact Us form. Thank you for your generosity, and may God bless you as you seek to follow Him.